Good morning, Arizona. Why don't you come on around back here with me and see what we can do in the landscape and garden this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. Jay Harper of the Farm Fresh, the Farm's Choice. I always say Farm Fresh. <laughs> well, it's just so easy know. to farm and fresh go to hand in hand. Farm, the Farm's Choice. We make things fresh after you use our product. Perfect. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to today's broadcast. Where are we starting? I've got texters that have already been texting in. We've got a couple emails that have lined up. But uh, and, and you can join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one 888 You can text into 411-923 or you can email at info at rosyonthehouse.com. But we usually start with one specific uh, to-do or chore or tip. What are we going to cover today? You know, the doggone weather is like 80 degrees. It's beautiful. Um, this 80-some degree weather we usually miss. It seems like we go from 90 to 60. So enjoy the weather and, and enjoy the, the extended time that you have if you've not planted a winter lawn. Uh, you still have plenty of time to get that in with this extended weather. But one thing we need to make sure we're doing with winter lawns is a lot of folks forget to fertilize them after that second mowing. Uh, and they, then we get into that cold weather and they get a frost and then they yellow out really badly. So make sure you apply a, even if you use the fertilizer at time of seeding, make sure you apply another uh, uh, application of fertilizer after about the second mowing is when I like to do it. Also, even though it's still a little warm, it's not near as warm or hot as it was a month or two ago, please, please, please adjust those sprinkler irrigation timers this time of year. You could be using half, at least, of the water that you were using in the summertime. And as we go to that next level of cooling, which hopefully comes pretty soon because it's almost Thanksgiving, um, we can go about half again. So realistically, you should, by the time we're into winter mode, be somewhere around a fourth of the water that you were using to keep your summer lawn, your summer landscape uh, watered sufficiently. We see just way, way too many people that just never go out and change those irrigation controllers. And that's changing somewhat with the smart controllers that do it for you. But even then, some adjustments and tweaking might need to be made. Make sure that your sprinkler heads are not just going all over the place, that they're doing an adequate job. And even though it's cool and it's, it's fall, we still need to conserve water uh, in our landscapes. Planting-wise, this is, this is and we, I know we harp on this all the time, but this is the best time of year to plant really trees, shrubs, vines, most of your landscape shrubs. Uh, by doing it now, that you know, the, these wonderfully warm days and very cool nights, the plants recover uh, they don't get stressed out for water as easily. The soil is staying like an incubator. It's staying warm. Those roots are rooting. Uh, and, a, and, this is a, and this is just a great time. You get like a year's head start almost by planting now as opposed to waiting till spring to do it. Almost anything. You know, the only thing you might start shying away from now are some of the real frost-sensitive um, things like, like ficus and maybe hibiscus and some of the really super tender uh, stuff, but uh, vegetables still, you know, we can plant cool season vegetables all winter. And we talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, kind of alternate planting or spacing out the planting. Plant a row of 
of lettuce and wait a few weeks and plant another row and spinach and so forth and so on, onions. So you don't have them all coming on at one time. Um, so that's, that's a good way to keep those going as you, as you harvest some, replant some, you know, back in that same spot and keep that garden turning over, uh, and going. So just a ton of things, roses, uh, you should have probably cleaned up your roses and cut them back a little bit, taking the dead stuff off. We start going into, uh, I was at, uh, Ryan Rieger's house a, a week or so ago. He's the gentleman that does a lot of the rose clinics for us and his rose bushes are just, uh, it's, it's probably by now, a week later, an explosion. He had, you know, he had kind of gone in, cleaned them up, and there was just, they were budded like crazy. So they're going to look really good. And, and a lot of times, November, December, and early January is when, frankly, I think our rose bushes and rose flowering is probably the best it is all year. And I've never grown my roses, but I always hear that that's the time when they look the best, you got to chop them. Well, yeah, a lot of times you come, the... <laughs> come mid-January when you got to prune, do that heavy pruning and you're like, oh, man, I'm getting these great, big, beautiful flowers, but you got to do it. So uh, it's a great time of year to do it. Citrus fruits are starting. I notice my tangerines are starting to turn a little color, so it won't be long here. Usually by about Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're starting to harvest some of our tangerines and early orange varieties. Roxy came in with a lemon from the orchard just eating the lemon raw. I said, is that good? She's like, no. But <laughs> just kept eating it. <laughs> is that right? Uh-uh. Is that good? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's good for but, me, though. But that's what it's for. Is the kids that pick and eat at their will. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but we're getting close. Those those lemons are starting to yellow up good. And, and some of the coloring is a little later this year because of the warmer weather. And things are a little behind from that standpoint. So you might notice that in your citrus fruits because it's staying warmer so long. So just just kind of bear with it a lot. But remember that rind color doesn't necessarily indicate the ripeness. Ripeness. That's just coloring on the flesh or on the rind, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, they can be plenty ripe and just not be colored up good. So... It's always best just pick one and see when what you think. But as the the nice thing about citrus fruits as opposed to uh, deciduous summer fruits like peaches and apricots, you can leave them on the tree. You know the birds won't attack them. Uh, they don't go bad. In fact, they just the sugars get higher. They get better uh, as they go. So you know don't don't feel like you got to go out there and pick all your fruit at one time. They store better on the tree than they do once they're harvested. Got a text early this morning from uh, Richard in Phoenix. He says, I can't get my grass to grow in the backyard and dirt has turned into powder. What do I do next? I I've, I wanted to text him back and say, I think you should probably get like three tons of quarter minus granite delivered. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, without knowing what's going on with his irrigation system, how shady it is, uh, all that sort of thing. But the nice thing about our winter ryegrass lawns is they will grow in shade very nicely. Um, and if the dirt is or soil is very powdery, most likely he needs to add some organic material. So some good compost, you know, maybe rake it in an inch or two deep, you know, get, get something that's going to help maybe retain some moisture into that soil and some organic material to make it more fertile uh, and then try reseeding it. That, that would, without seeing it at all, Hearing the powdery thing, uh, that's my first uh, inclination would be to tell him to add organic material, some type of compost, uh, good organic soil, 
and scratch it until it. And the nice thing about a lawn is you don't have to go very deep. You don't have to go six, eight, ten inches like a vegetable garden. Just an inch or two is plenty. Uh, and then seed it. Rake the seed or brush the, the broom the seed lightly into that new soil mix. And then keep it moist. You got to you've got to water it several times a day to keep it moist. The nice thing about it, if you waited till now to do your winter lawns, you don't have that four, five, six time a day watering necessary. A couple times a day will probably keep it moist enough. And that's just through germination. Once the sprouts come up, you can cut your watering back. Correct. Typically we keep it, you know, we keep that water and we get it germinated, we get it up. And then, you know, when it's up, you know, inch and a half, two inches, and we need to mow it that first time, then you can cut the water back, especially after the first mowing. And I like to turn the water off the day before, you know, like if I'm going to mow it this afternoon, I don't let it water that day. You don't want to try and mow brand new wet ryegrass. Um, it's not a lot of fun to mow, and it's sometimes you can you actually, you know, tear some out if you're not careful if it's really wet and tender. And his challenge at this point might just be finding the ryegrass. When I got mine three weeks ago at Elgin, there was eight bags left, and they said, you know, that's, that's the last of our ryegrass for the season. And I noticed uh, Dale's Country Storm Waddell is carrying it now, and they had a few sacks left last Saturday, but it's going to be finding the seed at this yeah, point. Yeah, you know, you, you will be able to find it. You're right. You may you may have to make a couple phone calls if not, but generally somebody will still have some, you know, through at least Christmas time. Then it gets a little tough. I always encourage people to actually save back, buy a little more than you need, uh, and keep five or ten pounds on hand um, because you're always going to have those spots that didn't come up good. The birds maybe got some of it. Maybe you got a little spot that the sprinklers don't cover good. So you've got a little extra for reseeding or the dogs dig up an area or something like that. That you, If you've got to do a little repair job, uh, you've got some seed on hand. Then next year, if you've got those that five-pound bag of seed left, use that on your in, in with your seed. That seed doesn't go bad. Okay, so keep it dry. Keep it dry. Absolutely. As long as it's dry, it will not go bad in one year's time. Use it up and then save out, you know, five or ten pounds of next year's seed and do the same thing. And where ryegrass seed, where do they harvest that? Most of it comes from Oregon. That's where most of our ryegrass growers are that grow it for seed production. Um, and it's just it's a crop just like lettuce or you know, cotton or whatever for them up there. They grow ryegrass to produce seed. Uh, so it's a seed, a grain crop. Yep. And beautiful. They, our kids, that's that's all they want every year. Why can't we keep this all year long? Why can't we keep this all year long? <laughs> well, if I had my vote, we would just let our summer lawns die. <laughs> in most cases, most cases, most people's look like they might as well just let them die because they don't look very good and, uh, and have ryegrass as long as you can have it. If you really, I th- in my opinion, if you really wanted to save water, if we really were going to cut out lawns, cut out the summer lawn, have the winter lawn. That's when you enjoy it. That's when you're outside. That's when you want to play on the grass. If you've got kids, that's when they enjoy it the most. And, uh, and, and it, it's just beautiful grass. It it is. They get a lesson in snowbirds every every fall when it starts to come up. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, this is from Oregon. That's why we have friends that go and live in Oregon in the summer. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they they move there for the grass. Well, not just the grass, but the, the weather and the landscape. <laughs> so if uh, I I can't blame them if if you can uh, do that, but uh, two two locations for me would be hard. 
It's a lot of work, a lot of work, but, you know, the best of both worlds sometimes is nice, too. You are tuned in to Rosie on the House here with you every Saturday morning. We are in that 8 o'clock hour. That is our outdoor living hour, and we're talking with Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice. I got it. There you go. It's hard. to. I'm I'm a creature of habit, man. That's a hard, hard hard to overcome something you've been saying for 14, 15 years. Whatever, yeah, exactly. The the Farm's Choice. And y'all make and sell the uh, other product of chicken. Not the egg side, but the fertilizer side. Correct, correct. <laughs> we we sell compost, pellet fertilizers, uh, food-safe uh, fertilizers for the organic farming industry, golf course pellets for turf grass, and and uh, you know fertilizer pellets in homeowner size, fifteen pound, fifty pound, and and a good organic compost. In fact, I got a letter from a actually a friend of mine um, that uh, we turned her on to the Hickman's Farms Choice compost a few years ago she wrote me this yesterday as a matter of fact we purchased several bags of hickman's compost from you for our garden the winter veggies are the best looking ever and this is this lady is a is a fabulous gardener i mean they have a huge garden and they know what they're doing the best looking ever beet greens are taller than the chard Turnip greens are two feet tall, and the quail are loving the lettuce and spinach. <laughs> Where can we get some more for our spring planting? So that's just a nice little testimony to what good chicken manure. And this isn't your old granny's get it out of the chicken coop hot, it'll burn, you know, that that old mentality of, oh, it's great stuff, but it's hot. You really got to watch it. We take a lot of care in, in uh, dehydrating that, screening it. And making sure that it's a, you know, it's a, a fertilizer. It's it's a good stuff. It's great for your garden, uh, and uh, you'd be better off if you use more organic type fertilizers. And how long have they been making the Farm's Choice fertilizer? Oh, twenty some years. Long time, you know, in different in different shapes and forms. But uh, reinvesting in that uh, facility, putting a new screening plant in. Uh, making a big commitment to continuing to to do a sustainable practice like organic fertilizers. That's the nice thing is this is all recyclable. You know, this is stuff that <laughs> is a byproduct, uh, and and uh, we're turning it into a to a useful product. I've noticed over the last seven years, it, it seems like each year, um, when you walk by a pallet of the farm source, you don't notice it like you used to. Well, as it as it, as we do better job of aging, turning, dehydrating, um, you know, it's still going to have some odor, but um, it's it really doesn't persist in your in your lawn and landscape very long. Once you put it on and get some water on it, not like the old days with cow manure when you could tell when it was ryegrass time, <laughs> winter long, because half the neighborhood was using some type of cow manure, and it stayed for days and days and days, maybe weeks, where. The chicken manure fertilizers will not last that long. A couple of days, maybe three at the, at the tops. Um, so it, it doesn't persist too long. In the golf course uh, material, the turf products, uh, we actually put a, a little bit of uh, anti-soil in it, the licorice um, scent to it. So it kind of masks out a little bit. The, you know, golfers are a little bit more persnickety than gardeners. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I even see them die in their grass sometimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> have you had any uh, Thanksgiving feast yet? No, have yeah. not. Have have not. Yesterday um, at the office, Rosie deep fried a turkey for the staff. Nice. We, we've already got our first Thanksgiving under our belt, literally under, under the belt. Yeah, really, you got to watch that belt. <laughs> Hope that belt still fits after you're done next week. Mama made some uh, dirty rice and some potato salad and. We had it on some rolls. Oh, man. It was good. But good news for anyone out there. If you, uh, the Arizona Farm Bureau has published a listing that says Thanksgiving dinner in Arizona is down 13.5% from last year. What would have cost the average, uh, and, and this is a, for, calculated on 10. For the average serving of 10, your total meal cost went from uh, 46.27 down to. Thirty-nine eighty-two. Wow, that's big, big decrease. Big decrease. And on turkeys, down five bucks and forty-four cents. And this is based on a sixteen-pound uh, turkey uh, stuffing cubes <laughs> down eight cents. Did they get they get really dived into it? The pie shells are up thirty-nine cents though. <laughs> sweet well. po- sweet potatoes are down sixty-seven cents, which is good. I'm supposed to bring a sweet potato dish to our Thanksgiving. Uh, and then the other big one that's up is the whipping cream. So our, our dairy's up a little bit, but overall down thirteen and a half percent. Now you said it was challenged recently. Yeah, uh, Julie Murphy, who posts that, then reposted that. Uh, I forget who it was now. Sorry, but somebody took them to task, and they actually beat that pricing. So if, I guess if you uh, look around and shop hard, you can even beat that. I, I can tell you one way you can't beat it is growing your own turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the organic uh, doubles it, uh, in, in price. Actually, it more than doubles when you go to organic. It, it costs a lot to feed them to get them to that 16 pounds. <laughs> well, if you're feeding four or five turkeys or ten turkeys, you can't do it for what the guys that are feeding four or five thousand can either. And you'd mentioned pricing. This does not include store coupons or specials. So well, there you go. You're a coupon saver, a deal bargain shopper. You've got an opportunity to get that even a little bit lower. Nice. Rosie on the house with Jay Harper, the Farm's Choice. If you got questions about your landscape or gardening, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Jingura standing by, waiting to take your call. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning in the landscape and garden, it's so nice out. It is just uh, the see, this perfect is, these time. are eighties to me are just ideal. You know, cool enough. We were outside with some folks last night, sitting on their patio, and needed a blanket. You know, had a fire, and the days are short sleeve shirts. That's just it. Couldn't get any better than that from a gardening just enjoying weather not only for us but for planting (laughs) well and it's perfect plant i mean these are you can just see the plants just going oh man (laughs) we we love this (laughs) yeah so great time to be doing that what's your favorite dish not besides turkey what what's your favorite thing besides turkey for thanksgiving the gravy on top Okay. Besides that. <laughs> Actually, we, we don't. I can't tell you the last time I had gravy on a turkey on coming out deep fried. Uh, we, we You just eat it straight. 
Um, gosh, other than turkey, I so Mama K, Baby K makes uh, a dirty rice, and we had that yesterday. But she she makes a cornbread stuffing. It, it, what is the cornbread dressing we, Mama K We makes? fight each other for that oh, cornbread dressing. There's never enough of it. You don't even need the turkey. You, <laughs> you, well, you, you could just fill up on Baby K's I cornbread think, dressing. I think actually the turkey is my least favorite <laughs> part of the whole Thanksgiving dinner. Well, you, we would eat it year-round if it was good. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta <laughs> soak it in ten gallons of peanut oil, recovering <laughs> three gallons of gravy to enjoy it. <laughs> so I would. What's rather, your favorite? Well, you know, I I have a couple, but I love that uh, green bean casserole with the little uh, onion, uh, dried onion, shoestring onions on top. That's pretty darn good. Okay, all right. And uh, dressing. Stuffing's pretty hard to feed. <laughs> <laughs> with gravy on it. <laughs> I got a son-in-law that I know can't hear the show. His is the Jello casserole. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I need to think about on an empty stomach at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, well. Is that Wayne or? or I'm not or, gonna say. Or, well, I have to. It can either be you know, it's I, either Wayne or James. I I have to admit that I I really like the canned jelly jelloey cranberry stuff. You know, the one that just comes out of the can that you have to slice in slices. It's my favorite cranberry. <laughs> Take some of that, put it on a piece of bread with turkey. That's the way to eat turkey with yeah. some cranberry. <laughs> yeah, over the weekend they right? have to yeah, buy it. Yeah. They have to go buy a can of that just for me because <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness! Ugh. So, what do you have anything when you prepare your Thanksgiving meal that comes straight out of your garden? Well, a lot of the uh, I know the Jello, the cranberries, not. Nah, I can't do that. <laughs> but uh, can't even grow the cranberries here. Um, well, a lot of the greens. Uh, the green onions, onion part of you know part of that. The greens, uh, chard, spinach, lettuces, uh, certainly all do. Um, so yeah, that 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 part's great. Um, we actually go to some friends' house. They always. I was just kidding about the turkey. I wasn't just kidding about the raising turkeys. They raise a few turkeys every year. So this uh, coming Sunday tomorrow, we'll go butcher a few turkeys. And uh, so they're they're home raised as well. So uh, it 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 it's it's fun. It's a good tradition. But yeah, all the greens you can be growing all of that for your for all your salads and that sort of thing right now. There, well, a couple of years ago, I, my neighbor raises turkeys, and I got one of theirs. And uh, we we deep fried it. It's um, you know, you, well, you find out why people do it professionally. I mean, to get a, it was size wise probably height and. And everything was about the same, but meat-wise, it probably wasn't ten pounds of meat on that breast. Oh, really? Well, these things. No, this guy feeds these. I mean, they are big, fat. I mean, it's, some some of them are so big that people can't put, even get have their ovens are not big enough to cook them. They're 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 they're, they're beautiful. They're, you know, we get some fifty-pound toms. Fifty. Fifty. Fifty plus. Five zero. Fifty-four, fifty-five pounds sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you have to have an industrial oven to cook. Is that on the hoof? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that's undressed. <laughs> but they're still 40-some pounds dressed. 
You know, so you can't, most ovens anymore, you can't even fit them in. We had a couple of years, we had to just actually quarter them up (laughs) and part them out for people to be able to cook them. Uh, well, I know we're in the outdoor landscape hour, but food is one of those things that yeah, is very easy to get high-centered on. And well, that's why we're, we're gardening, right? We're absolutely. Gross. We're putting together a home maintenance calendar. And this year, it's free for any listener that wants it. You just go to rosieonthehouse.com, click calendar, and you know, click the link and send us the address you want it sent to. And we, they'll be shipped out first of December. And each month, it'll be here's what you know you need to be doing on your home for the maintenance to keep up with tasks and chores. Mm-hmm. And there's some tools in it that help awesome. budget and predict you know what's what's the next thing I'm going to need to work on. So hopefully, we reduce the amount of surprises we have as a, as homeowners. And a well maintained home sells faster at the time you're ready to downsize or you need to upgrade or your job takes you to another location, whatever the case may be, a well-maintained home is going to move a lot quicker. And one of the fun things we did, we wanted to do it with our listeners, and we did a photo contest where people sent in pictures of their landscapes and wildlife from around the state, and then the voter, the listeners voted on it. And next year, we're going to include, we're, we'll, we'll probably do that again. It's been a very popular feature. But we're probably going to do recipes again because every time it comes up, it comes back around. And we've got every month preset what we're going to be talking about from the Farm Bureau. We've got citrus starting off in January. for Each one's going to be seasonally obvious. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember where we go from there, but we move into beef in May because it's National Beef Month, dairy in June. And people will be able to submit their favorite down-home recipes that include or or the center point are the beef or the carrots carrots is february and so then that will be part of the calendar going on so as we're talking about these you can have the best local uh, arizona tradition recipes will be voted on and be part of the calendar going forward to 19 so just continue to evolve and grow and uh, be fun for you know our listening audience and and homeowners throughout the state so as you're talking about all these different recipes, start start grabbing your favorite when you see them or pulling them off of fillyourplate.org, the Farm Bureau's resource for recipes and local harvest. You know, we're talking about food and, and Thanksgiving, and you know, if we joked about the being under your belt, you know, gardening, another good reason to garden is the, <laughs> is the exercise so you can burn up some of those calories and the stretching and the different muscle movement that you get when you're gardening so don't take that into make sure you take that into consideration when you're thinking about what to what to do maybe uh maybe do some extra you know little chores around the house this time you're nice out get outside uh you know there's probably stuff you've been postponing all summer long i know i have around the house whether it's you know i've got some wood trim that needs painted and you know, some things that need trimmed and some bushes that actually need replaced. And, they've, you know, they're, you know, your, your landscape, I've been in my house 30 years and, you know, I've replaced appliances, but there's now some bushes that need to be, you know, they've served their purpose. They're, they're kind of on the end of their deal. So great time of year to do that. And it's great to get the exercise this time of year. And just the, in addition to physical health, you know, there's a lot of mental recuperation out there working with your hands, whether you're, you know, it, whatever it is. If you're just out working with your hands on a project or a task, 
the mental regeneration. You you can't get that on a couch. Well, my, you my, can't get that. <laughs> my neighbor and I used to used to used to joke that you could tell who who needed the mental therapy the most by how we mowed or how fast we were mowing our lawn and in what pattern and (laughs) or or whose kid was out there doing it yeah or whatever it's just like you know whether you said hello or not or you were just like focused on that lawn it's like (laughs) lots to be said for just being in nature and and working the land absolutely so speaking of working the land we have uh we've covered lands uh lawns and we've got our transition in our landscape we've covered that it's a great time to plant just about anything and you had a great tip about not starting all your seeds at one time spread it out we've got the kind of season below the rim in arizona that you can space so you've got continual harvest coming up especially for onions and radishes radishes if you want to you have to have success in gardening or you get burnt out Radish is Correct. a very good success plan. I always told people when they were having kids coming in doing a project or what you know they wanted to get their kids started, which I said, radishes. <laughs> Plant some radishes. Every, anybody can grow radishes. <laughs> and you get multiple harvests. I mean, when when we do it, you we get them before Thanksgiving and we get them uh, towards the end of December and then again uh, end about February. I mean, they come quick and you, you don't need them to get big. Oh, no, in no, fact, no, no, I no. like them better smaller. Absolutely. I agree with you. And the thing you can do, too, is buy the mixed radishes so you don't even all get the same kind. And then you get different color. If you got a little radish salad or you're going to put it in a salad or chop it up, you got the different colors and flavors. Uh, you know, some are milder, some are tangier. I, I'm really a big fan of, of the packages of mixed greens, you know, like the spring mix type stuff, and mixed radishes and even mixed carrots. Uh, you know, that they're really, they're fun for the kids, too. They get to see some different colors and shapes and sizes uh, and taste the different tastes. And it's amazing. If you're trying to get kids to eat vegetables, let them grow some of them. They, they will become vegetable eaters if they have grown them. It's, it's remarkable. I've never seen any studies done, but I can tell you firsthand. Uh, and from working with people and having stories told to me that, oh, I could never get my kids to eat. Now we grew some carrots, and now they love them. Well, there's a little difference in the taste of a carrot coming out of the garden, and you eat it, wash it off, and eat it, as opposed to something that, you know, has been in a bag in a grocery store for a week or two, you know. So it's it's a lot different, plus they did it, you know, that accomplishment. And And that was a great tip, what you said on the varieties and and the taste, because— even if you're spacing it out, you end up with more than you can eat at one time in a lot of cases. And if you've got a variety of radishes and a variety of greens, you know you don't get burnt out on the same taste every day after day after Absolutely. day trying to keep up. Yep. Jim's having a hard time with his uh, spinach. Let's see how we can help him out on this Arizona Saturday morning. Welcome to the broadcast, Jim. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just having a real hard time getting my spinach to germinate. I don't know if it's still too hot during the day or everything else around it's growing awesome. Well, it's entirely possible spinach is does prefer pretty cool temperatures, cool weather. Um, you know, you might, just one thought would be to germinate it, not germinate it in the ground. Try germinating some in some seed trays or something. Um, okay. maybe in a little shadier, cooler spot, see if you can get it to go that way and then transplant it. 
um, you know, that's kind of extra work, but that might, that might be the case. The other thing you might try is doing it, if you've got a little room, maybe try doing it in a different spot in the garden. There, it, okay. it may be the actual spot. Maybe that's a, maybe it's a little hotter spot. Maybe it's a little drier spot. Don't know, but might be worth flipping it around and seeing if it will grow better somewhere else. So those are a couple things I would try. The nice thing is you got plenty, right. of, plenty of time. It's not too late. You got many, many months to grow spinach yet. I don't know. That why was an interesting e- mix. Yeah, that sure was. I don't know why the Eagles wanted to perform. <laughs> Is that Nickel Creek? Who's who's the? Instrument? I was going to say Union Station. Yeah, Allison Krauss and Union Allison Station. Allison Krauss. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I do have a, a question for him, real quick. Uh, bell peppers, mm-hmm. best time to grow them, and how do you get them to grow big enough to stuff? Uh, uh, Is there a trick? Well, bell peppers in Phoenix, Arizona, are really hard to get big because we have intense sunshine and warm temperatures and most of those great big bell peppers you see are you know california grown um but actually if you can get bell peppers to go through any pepper in in phoenix to go through the summer right now is when you'll have your probably your best peppers this is what we were talking it's just perfect weather and this is perfect weather for for pepper production these 80 to 90 degree days cool nights shorter days you don't get the 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 uh, you know the sun on those skins of the peppers and tomatoes causes them to tighten up and just not not get as big um i brought some some chilies home from elfrida down south of wilcox the other day a customer gave me a big gunny sack full of ancho she's talking there's gorgeous but 4100 feet all summer long um just perfect weather but that was uh, my next question what elevation should you be at if you're expecting those i mean like camp verde wilcox can they get those, those types? That, yes they they that's where you need to be globe camp verde wilcox if you really want the nice big beautiful peppers uh, that you see in the grocery store they have the perfect climate to do that the other thing i have heard you might try is epsom salts epsom um, salts yeah i've heard that will in, help increase size of the of the fruit on those shading them probably a little bit uh, wouldn't wouldn't hurt a bit either, uh, and then sometimes just actually taking some of the sometimes there's just so many fruit on there. Um, if you take a few off, that that might help you as well. Let's get out to Santan Valley and bring Fred into the conversation. Welcome to the program, sir. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I'm in uh, Gilbert, and I got a gophers. I've never had them so bad, but they've just, they've taken my. Kale, uh, kale, my tomatoes, and take them by the roots like a cartoon, and just eat them, and take them down in the ground. <laughs> Disappear, huh? Uh, yep. Well, there is gophers are a challenge. Uh, you know, Romy, I think has some things you might try. There's some, you know, there's some old tricks. You know, mothballs and you know, but traps I think are still one of the best solutions mm-hmm. for that. You don't have to worry about, you know poisoning and things like that but uh I don't know, what what was it burying glass jars or something in the around there, the edge of the uh, garden uh is one way to do that uh that but, would be a great solution for your garden fred it was a a call-in uh listener gave us the tip you'd get one gallon pickle jars fill it three quarters of water tighten the lid on it and seal it 
and set it around your garden. And the gophers, as they burrow, they feel that water shaking and think they're coming up to you know, a river, stream, a water source, and that will deter them out. So I would start by sticking that pickle jar right where they're burrowing up. And as it pushes them out, just start adding and making your barrier that way. Uh, and, and gophers, anything burrowing, you need kind of like an arsenal. There's yeah, no one one magic bullet that'll get them all. And another great tool is, you know, you hear us talking about the Bonides Molmax is another great one, mm-hmm. and it's organic. You it's can safe. put yeah. it straight on your garden, too, in a granular, and that'll start kicking them out. With, uh, and then, like you said, uh, physical traps. And they say, you know, when, when you catch one in a trap, bury it right there in that hole. You got it. And that'll keep them from coming back to that hole. So, and then the other thing is, if you're the in war's a, on. <laughs> if you're in a rural area or an open area, you, a lot of times you're not going to catch them all. You're going to move them. And then if your neighbors or surrounding areas don't do you, you know, then they'll they will slowly creep back in. So you don't often ever get rid of them completely. It might just be a little bit of an ongoing task. And then ultimately, you know, a raised ground above ground garden with some wire mesh below it and just literally build a barrier that they can't get through to get to your stuff is a, is another way to go. We've got a text question that wants to know, is it too late to plant a tulip tree? Did I read that right? Are, are they technically like citrus or a shrub and we call them trees? Well, tulips, the tulips you think of that you buy in the flower shop don't come off of a tree. They're a bulb and, and they're grown in the ground and, and they sprout and, and flower. A tulip tree, there used to be a tree, maybe calling the same thing, Liriodendron was called tulip tree. I've never had very good luck planting one here, period. Um, but if you are going to plant one, this would probably be a good time to do it. Um, they're, they're not as, you know, kind of heat tolerant. They'll probably have to have a little bit of a microclimate to get one to grow here. But uh, this would probably be a good time to do it if you're going to try it. And then... Uh, you. You had asked the question off air. Have we ever tried any of the non-gas? Yeah, you know my ga- my gas string trimmer gave up the ghost the other day. You know, and I've been kind of watching the the evolution of the cordless, uh, you know, lawn implement business over the last you know fifteen twenty years. I've had a couple in the original, and and they worked fine, except that the batteries just didn't last very long. I mean you. I know I don't mean after the charge. The charge didn't last very long either, but then mm-hmm. the batteries actually went bad after. So I, you know, was curious if you've had any have any recommendations for that. You know, we have uh, we're we're getting ready to test the Briggs and Stratton just came out with a line, and when we mentioned that, uh, the Troy built manufacturer was listening, and they sent me a Troy built weed whacker, and that battery lasts about thirty minutes, and it, it's been an impressive addition at the Whitman Plantation, but. Uh, I haven't got to any others beyond that. I'll keep you posted. 